If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Acts with me, Acts chapter uh, 3, and uh, we're going to continue the series that we began last weekend on the move of the Holy Spirit about revival and what God is doing in revival and just talking about a vision for revival. Now, I don't know how many of you thought the world was coming to an end yesterday, but you made it through. So here you are today, and uh, it was a real big deal. You know, there's always going to be people that are predicting that uh, the world's coming to an end. And it was interesting. I say it, it was inter- I was going to say it was funny, but it's not funny. It's ironic that uh, by uh, Saturday morning, the guy had already, that was, the media's covering this for whatever reason. I think if you don't give those guys credit, you're doing better off. But uh, some of the media is covering this guy and uh, that uh, he had already changed the date. So... Teresa was telling me, Clark, I don't see her in here. I think she's in a class. But she was telling me she still has the pamphlet for 88 reasons Jesus was coming in 88. And and let me tell you, the Lord is coming. I mean, look, we're closer to his return than we've ever been. In fact, in history, we're closer to Christ coming back for his church than we have ever been in all of history. But he doesn't even know the day yet. So when it's time, or the hour, I should say, when it's time, you'll know it. The best thing, and what you got to do, is make sure you're just keeping, you're staying focused on him, and, you know, don't get caught up in the moments. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I was looking just, I I take a brief look, because it's so sad if you spend too much time with it, but I'll take a brief look at the media headline, and Man, everything is just, you know, Korea's doing, North Korea's doing this. And, you know, now that we got a battle going on with the NFL and with the NBA and sports and politics and all this stuff, man. I'm just like, you know, this is crazy. I'm just going to put my mind on the Lord. Yeah. Amen. You know, when it really comes down to it, and uh, this isn't a part of my message, but one of the things that I think we have to recognize is, the only thing we really have to fear in life is death. And as a Christian, we don't have to fear that at all. And there's always going to be stuff happening around us that's going to make us afraid. But we have to face that fear with faith, knowing that, look, no matter what, no matter what, I'm going to be with the Lord. Amen. Look, that's the hope of the believer. And, you know, when we get caught up into all the other shenanigans that are going on out there and, you know, we look like chickens with their heads cut off running around, you know, the world's coming to an end and all this other stuff. We need to focus on Christ and, and, and we need to proclaim his message. Praise the Lord. I had a friend of mine that uh, he posted and I, I thought it was, a, it, was a, it was a bad move on his part. He posted a deal about in his mission work that, you know, if you want to if you're concerned about the end times, and he posted an article about the, this guy had done, said, then send support so we can continue to preach the gospel. Well, that's backfired on him, and uh, he's actually coming under attack for it because people don't think it's funny. It's not. It's that kind of stuff happening, people saying those kinds of things. You know, it's just like back when Y2K. How many of you are old enough to remember Y2K? And, I mean, people were just, like, totally losing it. You know, as Christians, we have to realize that no matter what, the sting of death has been taken away. And I mean, I I think we fight and we should have good, strong armament in our country. I think we should be, you know, we should be strong. But on the other hand, I also know this, if anything goes wrong, anything goes crazy, I know exactly where I'll be. I'm out of here. I'm at the gates of glory. Praise God. Amen. And I'm not going to get caught up in all the argument and on D-Facebook and all the nut stuff that's going on with people, the stuff that people are saying. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. That's a good word. Yeah. I want to say hi to a good friend, if it's all right, good friend of mine named Melanie that's watching. I went to high school with her. She started watching our broadcast from uh, Akron, Ohio, and she watches every week, and she lo- she even requotes the sermons online, which is pretty. She's, I believe, a school teacher in Akron, Ohio, and so, hey, Melanie, give Melanie a good hand being with us today. Amen. Awesome. Yeah, praise the Lord. She probably looks at me and goes, "Man, God did. God does work miracles." 
<laughs> well, you know, when I went back to my 10-year reunion, they didn't know who I was. So I had long hair and it was a mess. All right. Let me tell you what God's going to do. God's doing, God is in the works right now for a massive, invigorating renewal and revival in his church. In his church. Sometimes when we think about revival, we think about, you know, we need God to move in politics and we need God to move in, um, we need him to move in our community. You know, we need him to move on you know, wicked teenagers, and we need him to move on our wicked neighbors. And, but I want you just, if you would, just walk that back with me for a second. The greatest vehicle in the earth is the church. The most powerful force on the earth is the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body. Whatever God is going to do in the earth, he's going to do it through the church, not separate from the church. Okay, And, you know, for us to plead and cry out, and God, we need you to move out there, what God is saying, look, you let me move in here in you and everything else will change around you. Someone had asked John Wesley one time, they said, John, what does it take to, to bring revival? He said, look, draw a circle, stand in the middle of it and pray everything in the circle gets revived. Revived. Something that needs revived. And, and, and revival, you know, we all have our thoughts. Some of you, you know, that aren't church-oriented, you may not have ideas about revival. We all have our ideas about what we think revival looks like, more probably from our past experiences, things we've seen. Um, you know, I saw God one time. This was really awesome. And uh, if you know the guy, you, you know this was amazing. It was, it was the Holy Spirit. But I actually... During a move of the Holy Spirit, saw Mark Chaffin run around the sanctuary one time. <laughs> Hallelujah. I saw two families in this church. This is years ago. They are, uh, some of them are in heaven now. But two families in this church that had fought, cursed each other, spoken behind each other's back, had tried to get other people in the church to side on either side. And uh, I actually saw in a church service where the Holy Spirit moved and those two families healed right here in church. Amen. That they came together, wept, cried, prayed with each other, and there was total restoration. That's awesome. Praise God. So when we talk about revival, what is revival going to look like? What is it going to do? We tend to always equate it with you know, if you're, you've been a part of the charismatic movement, you, you, you equate it with that. Word of faith, you'll equate it with that. If you've been even further back, maybe some of the Westland moves, you'll equate it. You know, Sharon grew up in a church where, man, when the Holy Spirit moved, people came running down the aisles, I mean, for the altar. And I mean, just crashed into, I mean, elderly people, young people crying and wailing. And, and it was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't emotional stuff. It was the Spirit. But here's the thing that we have to be careful about. If we try to say, well, that's how God's going to move, then we're going to miss how God's going to move. I actually believe that we're witnessing one of the greatest revivals happen of all time right now. We just don't recognize it because we're looking at stuff from the past. Do you know what an incredible revival it is in the church that God is using young people and old people together? And I'm going to tell you that in the move of the spirit that God is doing, He's taking kids and using them with seniors, senior elderly people. And they're all flowing together and nobody really cares about, mm, nobody really cares about who's getting the glory or who it's really all about. All they care about is we just want God to have his way. And, it's, and, and that's where God is moving at right now. And you see it here in our church, and Chuck has done such an excellent job of incorporating a lot of younger people into the worship team, but we incorporate them into a lot of different areas. I have young men that come pray with me um, in the, before the services. And so we don't have this attitude in, in our ministry of is that, look, we've been here a long time, and we know what we're doing. You don't know what you're doing. You just be quiet, and we'll do the stuff. We actually are saying, hey, Let's release this. Now, I grew up in church at a time when young people were just told to be quiet. 
to be quiet. They were told that, you know, you don't know anything. You can't have anything to give, to, so you just let us run what's happening. That is not what's happening, and this is a move of the Holy Spirit. We just don't recognize it because it's happening around us. It's, it's like somebody one time said, because we're looking for the spectacular, we're missing the supernatural. So we're over here looking at this. We're looking for something just really spectacular to happen. And, and here God is moving by his spirit behind the scenes. And you see all this activity. This is a global movement. If I could, if I could just take a moment with this. This is a global movement. In Columbia right now at Pastor John Romick's church, they are experiencing the exact same thing. Most of their ministry, a lot of their ministry, excuse me, a lot of their ministry stuff, they've turned over to young people. They're just letting them run with it. And, and, they're, and they're still involved, but they're letting them run with what God is doing. I, I absolutely believe that this is a move. This is a God movement thing that's happening. Now, you know, if we're stuck in, well, no, revival is when, you know, when my husband repents or revival is when, you know, when Mona straightens up or revival is, look, if you're, I, nobody's praying harder for that than Tom, but I'm telling you that, <laughs> but look, it, it, see, that's where, that's where we would be totally wrong because revival isn't about your neighbor. It's not about the person. It's about you. It's about you. So we talked about last week how that in this move of what God is doing, Peter in laying this out in, in Acts 3, he said there's three things that are going to happen. There says, one, you'll repent. And we talked about that last week. And we have those audio CDs available if you weren't here last week. Two, he said, not only will there be repentance that happens, which means a turning away and a turning to Christ, but then there will be a uh, refreshing, times of refreshing. We'll look at that in just a moment. And then the last thing is out of refreshing will come restoration will come restoration. So let's look at that in Acts chapter 3, if you would, with me in verse 19. Peter says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution or restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So next week we'll deal with restoration, but I want to talk to you about this refreshing. And I want you to notice here in the words refreshing here that there, that it says times of refreshing. It doesn't just say, um, it doesn't just, isn't a reference to a time. It is plural ref, referring to times of restoration, or refreshing, excuse me. The word times here in the Greek language is the word kairos. And kairos is a, it, if you read scripture and, the, and you really do digging into this, you'll find there's two kinds of time. There is a chronos time, which that's the clicking of the clock. I did that the other night too. <laughs> the ticking of the clock. And so it, it's, it's, you know, it's how we measure our days. 24 day, hours, you know, weeks, we measure months, okay? That's not seasons. Even though we say in that, you know, we'll say like, well, it's fall season or uh, it's winter season. But that is not, that's more a reference to something with chronos. Kairos time is when God intervenes. Okay? When God intervenes. It's a, it, and it means a season of God moving. A, a season of God doing something. There are seasons that God moves. There are seasons that he will move. And it and when he does by his holy spirit by the spirit it's a time of it's times of refreshing that he's moving but it's where god has intervened in it's something that it's the right time that he chooses and he knows what that right time is and he chooses to move in that time okay um i think it was wednesday morning um you know, I'm up at the cra- before dawn and I'm doing my Bible reading and I look out the window and like I saw all these red lights down the road. I mean, like, and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's been a, you know, when I lived in Breckenridge, that would have meant there was an accident or something. But I look and it's all these trucks lined up down the road. And I looked out the window and I'm trying to sort out what's going on. Has there been an accident? The police, they're getting ready to cut corn. 
Okay, they're going to, you know, they're going to go through with their chopper and they're going to make silage out of this corn. And so they start down the side and they start cutting it and, and they get one row, they get two rows, and then they stop. Now, I don't know all the reasons why they stop, but I'm going to guess that they stop because it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right season. Do you get this now? It wasn't the right season yet to do the whole thing. And it was like way, very, very green, actually, right there uh, as they got in just a couple of rows. Now, the farmer knows the seasons. They know when's the right time to be able to move into something, to be able to do something. God, as well, knows the right timing of when he's going to do something. He uses Kronos, but he moves in Kairos. All right? Now, you and I... We do not get to determine either of those. One is Kronos time is going to keep ticking no matter what. We don't get to only one guy that we know about in history that ever stopped time, and that was when Joshua stopped, asked God to stop time, and he couldn't do it himself. He just had to ask God to, to make the sun and the moon stop in the sky so he could continue this battle he was in. Only one time did that ever that we know about. Um, you and I don't control the Kronos time. Time is clicking away. The day is going to end. Tomorrow's will be a new day. We're going to continue on this week. Kairos time is also something that is in his hand that he determines. Just like when Christ will return, it's in the hands of the, the master farmer, the father, who will then determine it's time. Let's go in and let's reap out what's there. Let's take what's there. And that's exactly the way that Jesus talked about it. So, We have to understand that there are seasons of refreshing that God does, but the activity of repentance is what opens the door for that season to be ready. We talked about last week how that sometimes repentance just looks like that we're very sorry for what we did. True repentance is when we turn away from it and we decide that we're going to follow Christ in that area of our lives. In that environment, that's when real refreshing will come. You know, you know what refreshing feels like. It's what you felt whenever you walked into your home or you walked into the church and it's super hot outside and that air conditioner hits you in the face and you're like, oh, or you just, you know, if if you're like what we used when we didn't have enough money to have air conditioning, we just go to one of the big grocery stores. (laughs) Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good right now. Oh, man, we go to a grocery store and walk in the freezer section, you know, because it was cool and because it would cool you, it would cool you down. And so, you know, those refreshings are things that when they happen to us, we know there is a refreshing happening here. So I want to talk to you about three things that I think are conducive to opening up for you and I to receive the refreshing of the Lord. If you want to write these down. The refreshing, the times of refreshing. One is filling. You can write these down. One is filling. The second one is um, focus. And the third one is faithfulness. One is filling. One is focus. And then one is faithfulness. Now, the first one, when we talk about filling, refreshing comes through being filled. It's important what you're full of. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you full of? Huh? Now, I didn't tell you to tell them what they're full of. I said you ask them what they're full of. Okay? Have you ever met somebody that's full of themselves? How's that feel? Like, I don't have no time for this, right? See, to be full means that there is something resident that is there in them, that they're full of, and what you're full of, like if you take an arrogant person that's full of themselves, can they, can they not talk about themselves? Huh? Can they not tell everybody about how great they are and their awesomeness and their accomplishments and achievements? They can't because they're full of themselves for whatever reason. Well, what does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, the Bible does talk about two works of the Holy Spirit, two works of grace. One is is that when we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Jesus talked about it like this. He says that 
when you receive me into your life, he said, it's like a well of water springing up to eternal life, that the Holy Spirit is in you springing up to eternal life. He said, but there's also another event, another grace that happens in the believer's life or can happen. And that is where they're not just filled with this, not just have the spirit in them, but they actually are overwhelmed or overcome by the Holy Spirit. We call that the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that, or John said that I baptize you with water, but there's one that's coming that will baptize you, talking about Jesus, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so the power of God, the ability of God, the fire of God is available to every believer that believes on Christ. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And it is his desire that all his church be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. What would happen if the church were filled with the Spirit? They can't help but talk about the, whole, about the works of God. You can't help but talk. You know, you, you say, well, I have trouble witnessing. Then get filled with the Spirit. You say, well, I got baptized. I mean, I speak in tongues, preacher. I mean, I had an experience with God. Yeah, but you leak so much that a lot of that has drained out of your life from then. You have to be freshly filled. Amen? You have to be freshly filled. And see, what happens in our lives, and I'm not going to dig too deep in this, but, but what happens in our lives is that stuff comes along and we get filled with that, right? Stuff, you know. An offense, we get filled with that as well, and the Holy Spirit, but we're getting filled with that. And, and then, you know, then some fear begins to try to work its way into our lives. And that's why Paul said in the book of Ephesians, he said, listen, what you've got to do, and this is out of the Amplified Version, Ephesians 4.23, he said, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Because what was great for you yesterday isn't going to be enough strength for you today. Hey, look, I know you all ate good yesterday, but you're going to eat again, right? And you're probably going to eat till you're, right? Hopefully something good, like kale. But, no, Joe's not here, so I'll say, but steak, right? But, but, but here's the thing. If you are going, what you had yesterday was for yesterday, and so, you know, we have believers that like, they're like, well, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit like 30 years ago. And okay, why are you so mean and ugly today? I don't mean ugly facially. I mean, ugly spiritually. Okay. Why are you like that? Why are you bitter? Why are you all talk about the, for what people did to you? Why are you carrying grudges from something that happened a week ago? Because what happens is, is that we start getting filled with other stuff. And when we get filled with other stuff, then it begins to leak that, it begins to take up residence where the Spirit ought to be having residence in our life. And look, friend, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm done talking about this, but you and I both know that when somebody offends you, you fight very hard not to, you fight very hard to keep your mouth shut about it. You're thinking about it, you're pondering it, you're meditating on it, and sometimes you're even telling others about it, even if it's just for prayer purposes, right? I'd like to share something with you that Tom Teal did to me. No, so look, you're going to be filled with the spirit. See, that brings us into that atmosphere of refreshing. And so we, we, we need that in our lives. It's a really a powerful thing when you think about it in the scripture. Uh, this is out of Ephesians 5 verses 18 through 21 in the Passion Translation. It says this, don't be drunk with wine, which is rebellion, Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. Keep speaking to each other with words of Scripture, singing the Psalms with praises and spontaneous songs given by the Spirit, always giving thanks to the Father, God, for who every person he brings into your, into your life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you honor Christ by yielding to one another, being tenderly devoted to each other in love. So here's what he's teaching us. He's saying, look, you can be filled. Thank you. You can be filled with the spirit and you need to be filled. The book of Ephesians was written to Ephesian believers. 
The disciples, what happened to them? A great, great illustration. Here they are, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost comes on them. They're all speaking in tongues, the glory of God. Peter gets up and prophesies. Man, it's powerful. Next day, they're down at the temple for the hour of prayer. He raises, causes this guy that's lame, that says, silver and gold have I none. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Woo! Everybody's psyched, man. Major miracle. We'd all shout in the church. I mean, big, big time healing. Glory to God. Jeannie'd come up and rebuke us all and tell us we're not praising God enough about that. And I'd, I'd have to agree. We don't praise God enough about stuff. Man, that would be a glorious moment. Somebody got victory. Hallelujah. Everybody's shouting in the church, but then the, 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 the priests and the Pharisees, they're aggravated. So what do they do? They haul Peter and John and the others off and they tell them, look, you can't preach that no more. You can't do that no more. They have an opportunity for offense at that moment at their life. They have a moment of fear because they're told that we'll kill you if you keep doing this. And they told the guys boldly, I mean boldly, they said to them, oh, look, I don't care what you do, but we serve Christ. We're going to proclaim his name. You decide which is right. That's what we believe in. We believe in this. We're going to preach it because we believe in it. It's, we're filled with it. But then it starts to grip them. And it's obviously gripping some other people. So they have a prayer meeting. Acts chapter 4. They gather together for prayer. And they begin to talk to the Lord. And they say, listen, Lord, you see what's happened. You know what's going on. This was a great miracle. We're rejoicing in that. So, Lord, what we're asking today is you saw their threats. Now help us, Lord. And they said, here's how you help us. By stretching forth your hand through your holy child, Jesus Christ, and Lord, healing the sick and doing great miracles. And that's what we're believing for. And then watch what happens. This is so awesome. You can look all this up later. Acts 4. The Holy Spirit descends on them. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, wait, I thought they were filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. It only took two chapters. Huh? Just a, a short span of time. And they had leaked and knew they, 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 they knew they leaked. Look at your neighbor and say, you leak. You do. I mean, look, offenses come. You know, it, it's something you have to continually spend receiving of the Spirit. How do we do that, Pastor? He told you right there, Psalms, hymns, keep your mind focused on the word, speaking in other tongues. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah 28 that with another tongue that I will refresh you, basically, is what it says. That when we speak, according to 1 Corinthians 14, it says that when we speak in an unknown tongue, we're not talking to men. Our understanding is unfruitful, but, fruitful, but we're speaking to God in mysteries, in languages. We're speaking the perfect will of God over our life, and we don't even know that we're doing it. Tongues is not, speaking in tongues is not an event that's once in your life. It's a daily, everywhere you go. You can always tell when you're with, uh, I can always tell when I'm with believers, I mean, believers that are spirit, truly spirit-filled because whatever's happening and they don't have an answer for, they immediately start praying in the spirit, in tongues, right? Immediately. So we need to be filled with the spirit because if we are not filled with the spirit, we're going to get filled with a bunch of other stuff. And so we have to be renewed daily. All right. Number two, refreshing comes through focus. Refreshing comes through focus. There's a story told about this uh, king. He had offered up to the, the people and the men in his community. He said that if any of you can walk a straight line to the castle, if you can walk a straight line to the castle two, from two miles away, you can marry my daughter and I'll, I'll make you an heir in the kingdom. So the first guy comes forward and says, I want to do it. They go out to two miles, and he starts walking towards the castle. Now, he's looking to his left and his right. He's kind of using things, you know, a tree here, you know, a bush here, just to make sure that he's staying on that straight path getting to the castle. He fails miserably because he's wandered all over the place. Even though he didn't intend to, he wandered all over the place by looking to the right and to the left. So the second guy, he decides that, He's going to do it. And he gets up there to starts at the same two-mile marker. And when he begins to walk, he says, well, what I need to do is I need to look to the left and right, but I need to slow down. That guy was walking too fast. So he takes very slow, calculated steps, 
and he's watching, you know, that he's staying on this path moving forward. And he's thinking as he's looking at the ground and looking at what's to the right and the left that he's going to be able to get to where he needs to go. Fails miserably. Doesn't matter that he slowed down. He's all over the place. He thinks he's going straight, but he's not going straight. Third guy steps up. He begins to walk the two miles. And at the end of the two miles, he gets to the castle they go back and measure, walk the line, you know, check the line from where he was walking, and they find that he walked an exact straight line for two miles. They said to him, well, how in the world did you walk the two miles in a straight line? He said, because what I did is I didn't look to the left or the right. I just looked at the light that's in the castle right there, and as long as I kept my eyes on the light that was there, he said I was going to go straight forward where I needed to be. I didn't veer in any way because my focus was always right in front of me where I was headed. Right where I was headed. See, your focus in the refreshing is very important because what can happen is we start looking to the left, we start looking to the right, or even worse, we start looking back. We start looking back. And when we start looking back, we're going to veer off course. Now, you know, the good news about God is is that he'll help us get back on the right path. But the problem that we deal with is is the reason that we get, we, we lose that refreshing that God wants to do in our lives is because we're focused on other stuff. Jesus told us that, look, this is what's going to happen. There are, there are basically five things you're going to wrestle with. One is that you're going to wrestle with um, the deceitfulness of riches. You're going to wrestle with these are things that are these are bushes and trees on the side. They're things that, that could pull you off path. Uh, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, cares of this world. These are all in Mark chapter four. Cares of this world, tribulation, pressure coming against your life can definitely do that. Persecution, people giving you a difficult time about your faith can pull you off track. So what you and I, the requirement for us is to keep our eyes focused on where we're headed. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to get to? Where's the reward? You want to keep focused on that. You want to keep focused on that. And I was talking to the Lord about this, and he said, he said let, me, let me just give you something else to tell the folks. He said that if you're looking to your right and to your left, you're already looking at what is behind you because you're moving forward, so that already has moved, you've moved past that. So if you keep looking at that, you know, Rick offends you and you're looking back at that while you're trying to go forward, you're already sticking yourself back to something in your past. Focus. We must focus. We must focus on the Lord. Jesus needs to be the center of it all. I mean, that's, that's a great song. Jesus be at the center. People say, well, that, that's just a really silly song because, I mean, that's something maybe they should learn in Sunday school like Jesus loves me. I don't think so. I think it's something in the church we have to keep focused on because uh, Kim Jong-un or whatever his name is, is not my focus. Amen. And Donald Trump is not my focus and neither is Pelosi or anybody else that's in politics. And Governor Schneider is not my focus. Amen. And here, now wait, and you're not my focus. You're not my focus. The Lord Jesus is my focus, and that's where I'm heading. Heaven is my home, and while I'm here, I'm just visiting. Amen. So it gets good here sometimes, but you usually have to work real hard to get it good. Amen. But it gets good, and then it gets tough again, right? Am I talking to anybody right now? But there are moments that it's great. Life is great. But it compares nothing to what heaven is like. One is you don't have to work for heaven. It's already been provided for you. Hallelujah. Refreshing comes through focus. And then the last one. Refreshing comes through faithfulness. Faithfulness. Refreshing comes through faithfulness. You know, faithfulness is doing what God told us to do. Faithfulness is being obedient. And, and faithfulness is following his plan and his will. Proverbs twenty five thirteen says, a faithful messenger 
is like a cold drink of water of, uh, at harvest time. And it's refreshing to the life of his masters. Amen. You know, when you get out there and you're working in that hot sun, just like these last weeks, and somebody brings a glass of cold water to you, that is refreshing. Yeah. Amen. That is a, that, you know, you get that experience of, oh, that pause of, of enjoyment of that moment because it's just so bad and so oppressive. And you're just like, wow, this is really awesome. See, refreshing comes through faithfulness. The believer has to be faithful to what the commission of Christ is in their life. Jesus told us that you and I are commissioned. We have received a commission from him. You know, if you are in the military, you understand what it's like to be a commissioned officer. We are commissioned, a commissioned soldier. You have a job to do. And so they tell you what that job is, and that's, that's your duty to make sure that that's carried out. You and I have a commission from the master in heaven. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick, according to the book of Mark 16. He said, well, you know, I'm just praying God will give me the faith to be able to lay hands on the sick. He didn't tell you to pray for faith to lay hands on the sick. He said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If you're praying for faith, it'll never come. Because faith don't come by praying. It comes by hearing and hearing the word of God and doing what the word says to do. Well, I'm just, I just, you know, if God just moves on me, I'll do that. Well, you know what? When you were with that sick person and you heard a little voice inside of you, why don't you pray for them? That was God talking to you. He's telling you to pray for them. And you, you might have done all of your little mental exercises like we all have. And look, we've all done it. You know, is that God? You know, we pray for God to speak to us. And then when he does, we go, is that God? Was that really, was that really him? I don't know. It didn't really sound like the way I expected. I was waiting for Earl, you know, James Earl Jones's voice here, not, uh, not that wimpy voice I just heard. That wasn't what I was expecting. So he says they lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, take authority over enemies. Uh, he tells us that we can, no deadly thing will harm us. And then he tells us uh, that we, um, that we'll speak in new tongues. Now, this is the commission of the believer, not just the preacher, of all believers. God, give me a church where believers are doing what believers are supposed to do. Not believers who are saying, Pastor, I brought this person to you. You take care of it. You can lay hands on the sick. What's the qualification to lay hands on the sick? Raise it up. Everybody got one? You got one? Everybody got one? Look at your neighbor. See if they got their hand up. They got their hand up? Everybody got their hand up? You got a hand up? Everybody got a hand? Got two hands, right? So we got two that we can put on somebody. Amen. That's all we got to do. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The process of recovery has nothing to do with you except that you laid your hands on them. You know, salvation really has nothing to do with you for someone except that you shared the gospel with them. That's it. The rest of it isn't on you. You're like, well, they didn't get saved. Well, look, you don't know what God's doing in their life. So you can't say they didn't get saved because you don't know that God isn't continuing. You'd be surprised the people that have walked away from conversations that they've had with other believers who have shared their faith and how that, when they got alone and started really thinking about it and the Holy Spirit came over them and they got out of their pride defensive mode, how that all of a sudden they were faced with the reality they needed Christ in their life. It isn't about you. Amen. It's not about, it's not about you. It's just you doing what you're supposed to do. You say, well, what if I try to cast the devil out and it doesn't come out? Well, you're already defeated because you don't think it's going to work anyways. And the devil knows that because he can tell it in your voice. You tell him to get out and stay out permanently. I got authority over you. You don't win this battle. Oh, yeah, I got your kid. He's never coming back to God. He's, she's never going to walk with the Lord. They're going to die you know, and go to hell. And look, you just tell that enemy, you shut your mouth. You have no authority here. And I'm going to praise God. I'm going to release my faith and say, in Jesus' name, they are delivered completely. 
and they're going to be such a mighty deliverance, devil. I'm telling you right now, such a great deliverance of their life that it's going to go out as a testimony and other people are going to get saved because of it. So you better let go of them soon. Amen. Faithfulness. Are you being faithful with what God has given you to do? Now, I am, if I ever try to, if, if I ever come across like I'm an expert about this, I am not. But I, you know, we moved on this farm. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what do I know about farming, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, but I am a learner. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a learner. I ask a lot of questions. You heard Mark Barkley tell about, and those were all true stories, throwing me out of his room and having ushers drag me out because I want to learn. I, wanna, I, I love to learn. I, I'm a lifetime learner. I may not learn like everybody else learns, but I love to learn. And so I was talking to a guy the other day because I got to have some barn work done on one of the corners of my barn where uh, one of the walls needs some... Uh, point and tuck done on it. And uh, he said, you know, these barns are awesome. And this is a, this, I have a great red barn. And I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's beautifully structured, but he, inside, it's a lot of junk right now. But he said, the problem with this barn, and I thought this was such a powerful spiritual principle. He said, these barns are not made to look at. They're made to work. And if you don't work this barn, you'll clean it out and it'll still fall apart on you. He said, it'll, he said, you got to get hay in this barn. You got to fill it with hay because the way that these barns work is as if they're not full of hay, they're not doing what they're supposed to do and they will not be structurally sound without the weight going on inside. He said, you got to get animals. I'm like, shut up. Right? You got to get animals. You got you to move quick. Get a hog. I'm like, well, you got to get two hogs. You know, hogs are social animals, so you can't just have one. They need a buddy, right? <laughs> you got to get a horse. You got to, he said, as soon as you can start using this barn, the barn will be better off for it because it was made to be used. That's being faithful you know, wouldn't it be cool? You come to my house. I say, hey, let me show you my barn. We walk through it. And I mean, I've got that floor scrubbed and there's concrete down there. And I mean, it's smooth. There's no cow poop anywhere. There's no, there's no hay in the way. I mean, it's just this beautifully structured barn. We all stand outside and go, glory to God, that red barn. I love that red barn, man. And when you go inside, it is totally awesome because that barn is empty. It's clean from one end to the other. I mean, they have scrubbed the floors. It's beautiful. There's no rats in there. There's no spiders in there. There's no bugs at all. I mean, it's an awesome barn. But the problem is, is I'm killing my own barn because I'm not using it for what it was created for. It needs all that hay in it. It needs animals in it. It needs to be functional. Now, let me tell you something. You're a red barn. You're a red barn. And you can be beautiful on the outside. New cover. New walls, right? I mean, you can be pristine. Great when people drive by and look at the big red barn. Woo! But what's happening inside? See, it's not good enough just to say, well, I'm going to clean all the junk out. And man, I got junk. I had, that barn was built in 1896. I've got, how many years is that from here, from now? I'm backwards. Huh? It's got 121 years worth of crap in it. And I, I don't mean that in the literal sense. I just mean in an overall. We would know if that was in there, okay? No, 121 years. So if I go in there and I go, man, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to clean this barn out. If you're only cleaning it out to have a clean barn, if you're only working on your spiritual life to get rid of stuff in your life, you're not being faithful with what God gave you. Because he didn't give you your barn so that it could be empty. He gave you your barn so it could be full. 
Your spiritual life should be full of things that you're believing for, standing for, working towards, things that you're asking God to fill up in your life, gifts that God, you say, well, I, 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 you know, pastor, I'm older. So who cares? Age is just a number. That's all it is. I, you, we should have dreams that are sitting in our barns. We should have stuff that's in there. Our barns should be filled with stuff that we're getting ready to use for the glory, not just to have so we can have stuff because that's just stupid, but to have stuff that we can use because see, Last thought, promise. It's early. Wow. Can't believe I'm this early. In the kingdom, one of the great laws of the kingdom is the law of exchange. The law of exchange. Exchange means that what you give out, you get back. It's, we call it in the church, we call it the law of seed time and harvest. Okay? It's a law of exchange. Whatever you put out should come back. And you should give it with the expectation that somehow there is a reciprocation or a return on what you're putting out, what you're giving out. And it realistically should be more than what you gave out. Now, we all, believe, we all understand that. We all uh, believe in that principle. The law of exchange says that I take something that I have already and I put it to work, and then I receive back because I put it to work. Jesus taught it like this in Luke 6.38. We typically just use it for offerings, but he said, Give, and it will be given to you. Press down, good measure, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the measure you give it out will be the measure that it will come back to you. So in the law of exchange, or the law of reciprocation, or the law of seed time and harvest, What's happening is I'm taking of something I already possess, correct? Because you can't give what you don't have. I'm taking something I already possess and I'm putting it out. And as I'm putting it out, I'm receiving in return, return excuse me. And if I'm re- when I receive in return, it will refill the barn. The barn can't do what it's supposed to do unless there's stuff going out and stuff coming in. Amen. But here's the deal. If nothing's going out, nothing's coming in. If you're not laying hands on the sick, nobody's getting healed. If you're not casting out devils, there are people still bound up. If you're not speaking in new tongues, you're not, you're not releasing for the energy of God to flow through you. If, you're not, if, if you and I aren't doing those things, believing for divine protection and safety, then we're missing out. We're not sending out what's been put in. So what happens to our spiritual life? One, we either become cluttered with junk from the past or two we keep it clean because we're at the altar every week but we're never putting anything out so nothing's ever coming back and the barn deteriorates your spiritual life will deteriorate without use everything that you want to receive spiritually even though Jesus has made provision for you to have it will take work on your behalf to receive it. One, it'll be, first of all, realizing that you have to take it out to be able to get it back. Okay? And I talk about this with praise and worship. There are people that do not like praise and worship at our church because they feel like it's work. Man, you know, why do we got to sing that song? Why do we got to sing it again? Why do we got to, I mean, we did that four times. I'll tell you why we did it four times, because you didn't get it the first time. But it just feels like, he said, raise his hands. I don't feel like raising my hands, Dan. Clap, let's all, no, I'm not clapping unless the spirit moves me. I had a guy tell me that one time. Remember that Chuck, that guy, he got me in the hallway. I'm not saying, I'm not doing anything unless the Holy Spirit tells me. I said, is that right? His spiritual life went in the toilet. 
Because that's just an excuse. Praise and worship is work. You know, hearing the word, you know, that, that's an awesome thing. I mean, it, it's a great thing. And, and uh, the word, you, you know, you hear it. I don't know if you're going to do anything with it. I want to believe you are. But I did the work to be able to get this to you, okay? For the last 40 years almost. Now, what you do with that will determine what it will produce in your life. Praise and worship is real hard not to participate because, first of all, everybody else is doing stuff around you. So if you sit there with your arms crossed in your seat, people think you got a demon, okay? So they don't know what's wrong with you or you need Jesus in your life. I mean, they just know, why aren't you singing with us? Why aren't you worshiping with but, but But here's, here's my point with that. And it takes work to... It, 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 but, but anything you're taking out of the barn... is work, but then you're going to receive back better than what you put out. Well, I'm not coming to church until a half hour into service because I don't want to do, I don't want to go through all that worship. Well, you need to ask yourself why. You say, well, because it's too long. It's too hard. Yeah. Prayer's hard. How many of you found that prayer is a hard thing at times to be able to pull off? Man, you like get down on, you know, you're like, okay, oh, I got up early this morning. You know, I pray for a lot of people in the morning and pray all the different folks, things they're going through while I'm receiving communion. And it's like, uh, oh, Lord, I wonder what's on Facebook. I wonder what's, wonder what, wonder what, wonder what's going on. What's happening in the, you know, your mind, you're just, no, no, wait. Okay. I'm going to pray and I'm going to talk to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I, you know, I love you. And, and I wonder if Sharon's up yet. I better text her real quick. And just, uh, your mind is running constantly trying to find it to, to avoid prayer, to avoid prayer. And so when you pray, it's a work. But whatever comes out of the barn, it's going to come back. We're going to get your barn filled. We're going to get your barn filled. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. That's available to all of us. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Let's obey God, Chuck. Whatever the Lord's put on your heart to play. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Father.